You're listening to the Prevailing Faith Broadcast, a podcast in Christ, with Pastor Charles E. Brown of the Prevailing Faith Bible Church in Monroe, Louisiana. Now, here's your host, Pastor Brown. Good evening. Welcome, welcome, one and all. What a wonderful privilege it is to be in your presence. I certainly thank God for allowing me to be a part of what God has called me to say and do and minister the word. Come on now, as I put this out there in the, in the stratosphere. Let the world know we are live. Yeah, it's a great privilege, you know, to be able to come before you. And thank you, for, you know, all your wonderful, beautiful people of God that have been supporting us and listening to what God has given us. We truly appreciate that because it's just our humble attempt to um, share what we believe the Lord has released us to say. Because being able to share the truth is a remarkable privilege. And I respect it with, with everything I have because... I don't want to say or do anything to hurt or hinder anyone. My attempt is just to be a blessing to those that are willing to listen. Come on, let's formally invite the Father in. Oh, glorious and magnificent Father. What a tremendous, tremendous privilege and honor it is to have a relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To have the ability to know that we are covered by the yoke of covenant that the blood of Jesus is protecting us and has washed us and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we can cast every worry, every care, every problem into your glorious, magnificent hands. And Lord, I ask you to forgive us for any second, any moment that we forgot what your promises, what you've done for us and what you're even doing as we're here today in your midst. And Father, I thank you that you will anoint and appoint us that I share your word with love, with accuracy, and it'll minister to the hearts that are open and ready to receive in the glorious, glorious, majestic name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We say amen, amen, amen. What a glorious privilege it is to see each and every one of you that are coming in and just being a blessing to us. Oh, I see my beloved friend, the prophetess. Sister uh, Sandy McDave, God bless you out there, woman of God and man of God, the great warrior, the great fisherman. Her husband is a tremendous outdoorsman, especially when it comes to fishing. And I, uh, it amazes me how you can go out there and catch a fish. It was never, it was never one of my fortes. I did fish a few times, but it just, just didn't stick. But what did stick, praise the Lord, is having my life surrounded and completed with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if you can see tonight's message is, if God doesn't build, because one of the things that you have to take in consideration, that God never lies. He always tells the truth. And if he said it, your choice is to believe it and receive it, or you or not believe it and reject it, because that's your choice. 
because uh, somebody, they, they have a, uh, a commentary they're always putting out and somebody questioned about an event that the Bible de- depicts and it doesn't matter what it is. He said it, said it never happened because they can't prove it physically. But what you have to understand, the Bible is based on a belief in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the caveat is, you don't have to believe it. But if you do believe it, then you have a chance for God to do what he promised because he told you in numbers. He cannot lie. And what you have to take in consideration, the same things that attacked Jesus when he was going to the cross for a bunch of people that didn't appreciate him, didn't worship him, lying on him, cheated him, even turned on him, that they were being distracted by deception, trying to convince him that the word of God is not right. As for me and my house, this is Joshua, I believe it's 24, we're going to serve the Lord. We believe this word. I can't explain it. I can't explain how this, that, and thou. I don't know all that. I just know I believe that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. I accept what the word of God, those 66 books say. And this is what is going to help you because what you have to go back and understand that the whole time we're ministering, primarily we keep going in and out of it, but primarily we're ministering about marriage. Because people think uh, everything's just going to be peachy keen, that you're not going to have an issue, you're not going to have a problem. I don't have how great, how smart, how wonderful, how intelligent, how wealthy, how healthy. I don't care what, how psychologically sound you are. You're going to have some issues. And what God is making in this statement, he's telling you, if God does not build the house, I'm reading this from the Message Bible. The builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well uh, give up. Uh, let me go find it in here because when I when I put it in here, I just noticed it didn't have it properly. Well, we want to give you the right word. I don't want to give you something half half done. It's the message translation. He says, um, if God does not build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God does not guard the city, the night night watchman might as well nap. In other words, he might as well just sleep through the night. Because God is trying to get you to understand these things he's promising you are incredibly out of this world. They're not natural. They are spiritual. And you have to be able to go to God and entrust your life and your dependency upon God so he can help you get you through this. Because he's telling you, you know, um, I've been in that environment. I've been around people that want to get married in the church and they want to do this, that, and they want a a man or a woman of God to, to do the marriage. But okay, that's fine to a degree, but you still got to remember you got to include God in it. It's God's total invention. This is not an idea for man because if if you listen to man, you know, I, I'm not sure about this language, but I heard this guy on a program talking about he's fluid. 
if we vibing and I'm interested in you, you interested in me, doesn't matter how many or what sex you are, what sex I am. We just vibing. I don't want to be labeled. Well, you label. You were labeled from birth. How do I know? Either you got a prostate or either you have a vaginal canal. Now, you can remove them. You can cover them up. You can do all that. But sometime in your life, if you were born a female, you had to deal with hot flashes. I'm just telling you. Sometime in your life, if you were born with male parts, you had to deal with uh, <laughs> a DRE, digital rectal exam. You're going to have to deal with it. I'm just telling you. You can play them games and let them people try and tell you, I'm, don't label me this and that, but you still medically, your body was birthed into this earth. And it has different things or different characteristics about it. I'm not trying to put you down if you don't want to believe that, but I'm just telling you. Because if not, you're going to have to deal with having to be exam for, um, um, if you were born female, you're going to have to have uh, um, uh, breast examinations. You're going to have to have certain uh, anatomical exams to ensure your longstanding health. I'm just telling you. And that goes for the same thing with men. Men have different areas that we have to go through and that we have to be tested. But he's saying, if God does not build the house. And so I hear so many people, they're trying to, they want God to bless it, but God can only bless what he told you he would do. Because this is a profound statement in Psalms 127 verse 1. That he's telling you how to succeed. Because if you're doing it God's way, he guarantees you the end. That's what he's trying to tell you. Because he says, except under this condition, under this hypothesis, or or this proclaimment, if you don't do it God's way, because God is called Jehovah, the existing one. In other words, he exists with or without you. You can't exist without him, but he can make it with or without you. And he's telling you, except, unless, in the um, New Living Translation, he says it like this, unless the Lord builds the house. And he's trying to get you to understand, marriage is a, is, is a very challenging opportunity for two human beings to live a long, satisfied life with each other but for it to work. And even though it may not work flawlessly because you got two human beings in it, but for it to work, you got to get the foundation of the creator of the universe. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's another story. You can, you, you can say you don't believe it, and, and, and I, I'm not here to argue with you because I'm not here to argue the Bible. I'm just sharing what, I've, what God has revealed to me to share. It's up to you whether or not you want to believe it. But the New Living Translation, Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. If you don't include God and when you're putting your house together, your home between a husband and wife, if you don't include him, because I'm telling you, his thinking is far beyond ours. Because I've dealt with particular opportunities and circumstances and situations. I never would have made it. Like that song Marvin Sapp sings. 
I never would have made it had it not been for God. I never would have kept going because he kept encouraging me. He kept reminding me what he promised me. He kept giving me his wisdom and knowledge and understanding because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God told me to just deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow got his own issues. I got enough to deal with today. I got to deal with this circumstance, this situation, this issue. So I'm not going to worry. He told me, don't worry. Give it to God. God, you got it. Because I have flesh to deal with. Think about this lady. She can't say flesh. She say flush. And that's true. You should flush your flesh down the toilet because it is fickle. And what's so significant about what God is saying here is in building your home and building your marital relationship based on the word of God is because God knows you're going to have some circumstances and some situations that's going to come up and you're going to need him to help you navigate them that you come on top and rise, that you come out victorious. That's why I always go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So that means as long as I consider, as long as I include Christ Jesus in my life, in my decisions, in the things that I'm doing, then I have the privilege of him. He has to make it work, not me. He does. I just got to follow his instructions. I don't have to worry. I just cast every, all. He told me to cast every worry, every problem, every care into his hands because I don't know. Because um, one of the things I've learned in marriage, (laughs) it's better to to watch your mouth than to just run and let it have rule over you. Because the Amplified Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thank thank God he has made us his his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphant procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. That's telling me that if I'm following God to the letter of the word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, even though you don't think he did, but that's who we're talking about for the most part, he was able to be born in this earth, live righteously, righteously, not let his emotions overtake him, and died on the cross so you and I could be saved. And he says, we have a triumphant procession. When we decide to do it God's way, what about you? Because I'm going back to what we're working on. Unless God builds a house, he's telling you up front it's going to fail. Well, we stayed together a whole 200 years. Yeah, I mean, you can stay together 200 years and still hate each other. Okay, come on, let's be real. I love Israel. I love Palestine. I love all of them. I love both of them because God told me to. But he gave me Ephesians 6 to help me understand. My fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, Rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. They're still arguing over who is right. 
Instead of saying God is right and let God decide, they're still arguing over that. That's why now I live in one of the most prosperous countries, the most successful this, that, and the other. But then I got to lock my door. I got to turn on the alarm. I got to make sure I got an up-to-date alarm system. You know, I got all this I got to do, even though I'm in a good place. Because you got people out there that are not listening. I don't want that to be us. He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to spend 40 plus years with somebody wasting my time. I want to spend my time serving and honoring God and enjoying the fellowship and the wonderful gift of marriage. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. He said in Amplified, I'm sorry, he says in um, New Living, when I find a wife, I find a treasure. It's a treasure, but you've got to approach it like a treasure. He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. You can put, you know, and it's a shame. I think about this. Um, I want to say she was from Mexico. She was Hispanic. I'm not sure if I got it right. But this young woman was just getting her career off, and this uncanny fool killed her. I'm thinking about that guy that released from prison, shot uh, President Reagan. Because in his mind, he had formulated this misconception that the president was his enemy. Hey, one thing not to like his politics, another thing to try and harm him physically. Because he's telling you in verse 2, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxious, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. In other words, he's telling you, you have to learn how to rest in his word. Take his word, let it settle in your spirit, and meditate on it. Because I was ministering to somebody earlier today that was going through a particular medical testing. And believing God, they find nothing wrong. But by the same token, the test is... Is, is uh, I don't know why. And I'm going to say it MRI because I've had one or two. And my mother had one many, many years ago when it first hit Baton Rouge. But it's so loud. I don't know why it makes all that noise. But you go in there, but you got to put your mind somewhere else because you start thinking about, is this thing going to suck me in? Is this going to blow up? You can get all that craziness because they tell you to take all your jewelry off. And I, I know you bought uh, 24 karat gold, but they say, no, take it off while you're in there because they don't want to take any chance that if it's uh, magnetic re resonating, it's because of MRI, because if you have on anything metal, um, it's made with magnets, it could damage you or damage the machine. And the machine costs a lot of money. But he says, Rest, he gives rest to his loved ones. And see, I can rest in my relationship with my wife. I don't have to put on guard. I don't have to fake it till I make it. I don't have to do all that. My wife and I love each other and we love God, most importantly. And so, yes, we have, we have conflict because she wants yellow, I want green. She wants to go to uh, Africa, I want to go to Europe. 
But what do we do? We find a place where we compromise. If it does not go against the word of God, then we just pray about it and let God guide us, which is more important. Because a lot of times she will say, what do you want to eat? And I'll say this. We say, well, I don't feel like this. I say, well, what do you want? And usually, you know, before I got on this, this strict eating regimen, I could find something I like. But now that I'm restricted in my eating, it's, I, it's a choice I made, thank God, and it's working to a degree. The <laughs> joke is, uh, I've lost a few pounds, and I said, well, I'm about uh, 19 pounds from calling Ebony and telling I'm ready to start modeling, and then I'm about 40 pounds, no, 30, 39 pounds from calling uh, Ebony and say, uh, I mean, calling uh who owns Shaq and let them know I'm ready to star in it. It's a joke, please. Because look what he says in verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. But you still got to build it with God. Because that's what I see. I'm working with children. The children start asking me. We have chapel every Friday during the school year. Unless things aren't permitted. The Children see me on Monday. Are we having chapel today? They see me on Tuesday. Are we having chapel today? The children are not the problem. It's the parents. Second guessing. Because I, I went through that. Soon as I was able to quit going to church, I did. And it almost cost me my life. Because I was away from God for over 20 years. I almost couldn't come back. Because the devil was making a complete fool of me. And you up there, come, well, I don't believe the Bible. You know, you too religious. I'm not religious. I'm in a relationship with God. That's a whole different story than be religion. Because if you look up religion, religion has a lot of different fallacies or, or uh, discrepancies in it. You can, you can worship uh, a bottle of Coca-Cola. Uh, uh, you can worship Pepsi. No, I worship God the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, because one of the things that you have to learn, because I'll go ahead and put this, say this out there, this, this Saturday, the 27th, from 1 to 4, we have this young lady that's coming to minister to our community, and she's talking about being pregnant. Pregnant with what God has for you. And this is for people that have had dreams and desires and it hadn't manifested because we all at that at some point. We all we all in a different position where we believe in God. That are those of us who believe in God. Because God revealed it to us, we claimed it, we birthing it, but it takes time. Because that's what the revelation God gave me about humans. You can plan a plan and a week or two weeks, you see growth coming through the do uh, the dirt. But you can plant a seed in a human, and you may not see the few the manifestation for thirty or forty years. Look at the children of Israel, and then some of them never bloom, even though the word was pumped in them. He says in verse five, he says, "How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them." I love my children. I love my natural children. I love my spiritual children, and he will not put. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers in the city gates. You got to protect these children. And remember how we got him. 
Proverbs 18, verse 19. I quote it almost every time because I believe God keeps bringing me back to this because this is what we're trying to hear from God. In my relationship, in my marriage, in raising my children, in rearing, I have to be very, very careful what I say. I have to be careful what I say with other people. I was in sales for a number of years. And I remember I could get to a point where the person was rolling with me and they were going to buy everything I was selling. And I say one wrong thing and I'm trying to hold on, trying to get them back, trying to, trying to figure out where I missed it. Because you can say one wrong thing and you blow the whole thing. I always think about this guy. I want to say South Dakota or North Dakota, but he wasn't from Louisiana. And um, it was late one evening. We were all ready to go home. Him and his wife came, and they was looking at a product, and they was loving it. And, and he said, I'll pay you this for it so I go get the approval from the manager. When I come back to write up the deal, now everybody's late. We're there after hours wanting to go home. He says, I just wanted to see if you did, if you do it. And I never forget what I told this guy. I wasn't saved that she had prayed for me. I said, sir, to lie to me, I understand. I'm not, I'm not related to you. But to lie in front of your wife, don't you think that's wrong? But he still didn't, didn't buy the product. He got up and left. And the funny thing about it, I don't remember if it was a few weeks or a few months. But it was one of those dreary days where the weather was bad. We were hiding in the building playing cards or whatever, telling jokes or whatever. All of a sudden, that guy walked up in the building. He says, is Charlie here? <laughs> and what did I do? I forgave him. <laughs> and he bought my product. But the point I'm trying to get you to hear, with God, one of the key things, he wants you to labor over what you say especially in your marriage. Don't call her ugly when she's looking at you. <laughs> she see you in the morning too. Don't call him lazy. Sp prophesy into his life. That's what he told us in Romans 8. No, it's in Rom Romans 4. He says, Abraham called those things that are not as though they were. They are. If you don't like the way your husband's been doing or your wife, Speak to him. Don't just roll over and just fall out. Speak to him. That's what the problem is. You keep talking about how bad your marriage is and you don't understand. That's why it's getting worse. Instead of you saying, Lord, this woman, my wife is just as beautiful to me as she was 40 plus years ago when we got married. I only have eyes for her. I love her. I love seeing her. I love being a part of it. I love it when she talks to me. I love it when she gives me her wonderful ideas. I don't like to be scolded because she can do that too. She's a teacher. <laughs> let me tell you, brother, be careful if you marry a teacher because they're always teaching. <laughs> always. But then they don't like to be taught so much. <laughs> then you have to work through that. But Proverbs 18 and 19, New Living Translation. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say to your spouse. Be careful what you say to your children. Be careful what you say to the people you're involved with, your church, your, your work, your neighbor. Be careful what you say to them. Because if you offend somebody 
it takes a lot of work and you may not be able to get them back because you offended them. Because uh, I always remember uh, Apostle Hillier would say this, and God, we trust people we checked out, check out, because I know what that statement means. I've trusted people and they've fallen on me. They turned their back on me. They've gone trying to cause a blog, a frog, a dog, or whatever on me. But I have to remember, I trust God to give me what to say. And then I'm quick to apologize if I realize I was wrong. Because I tell you that. Say, listen, my intentions is never to hurt, only to inform, to enlighten. And let me know if I'm offending you, because that's definitely not my intention. My intention is my intention is from my heart to bless you, that I deposit a word in God in you that'll keep coming back, that'll turn you back to God where you need to be. But he says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Argument separates friends like a gate locked with bars. And I, and I don't know why I ran across this countless times with domestic violence. I don't know the root of it. I mean, let me put it, let me speak slowly so I can get said properly. I know the root of it is the devil. It's confusion. Whatever's going on, they can't forgive each other or they chose to do stuff like that. But for your well-being, forgive them. Walk away. I know sometimes you have to lead a country, lead a city, whatever. But don't hold a grudge because an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. And remember, now gates are for honest people. I'm just trying to get you to hear me. Because you can lock a gate. I'm not going to jump it. I'm not going to pry the lock. I'm not going to pop the lock. I'm not going to do any of that. But a thief, he, he loves to do that. But what I'm try- he's trying to get you to hear. Don't lock out yourself by being caught up in arguments. Forgive them. Let them go. Proverbs 15, he says, a soft answer will turn away wrath. Somebody's got to be mature in a relationship. Somebody's got to be willing to say, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe I'm not seeing this right because I've been accused of not saying clearly what I needed to say. And sometimes I ask, is this making sense to you? Because I'm like a lot of people. I think faster than I speak. And that's why I try and labor over what I say. It's not that I'm dumb. I'm I'm 99% of the time, I got a response. But I'm trying to hear from God before I respond. Because look what he says, verse 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. And let me tell you, I love a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. That's what you want in your relationship, right? You want your relationship to be satisfying. Right? You want your wife to run home to you or your husband looking for you so y'all can talk about the day. Talk about the future. But he's saying, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. And this and you have to labor over it because I know people have offended me and then maybe they didn't know it. 
You don't know me well enough to call me Charles or Charlie or Eddie or Bob. Bob's not my name. You don't know me that well. And that's what I try and do with other people. I don't question who you are. If you are Reverend Dr. So-and-so, I'm going to call you that. I'm not going to. I didn't call you to preach. That's who you are. I am going to respect you. I'm not going to ask you how many <laughs> people say, how many are running? Not enough. I got room for more. You want to come? Or you just want to be nosy? But verse 20 of Proverbs 18 says, wise, wise, wisdom. Words satisfying like a good meal. And oh my God, I had a good meal Saturday, Sunday. I'm sorry. I had a really good meal, but I had to pay the price. I picked up a little bit, so I'm drinking extra water. I'm getting back on my program, restricted eating. But it was a satisfying meal. And I'm telling you, if you would go home and just say, Lord, give me the words to say, my, oh, my honey, I miss seeing you all day. I'm so glad to see you smiling. Uh, it just excites me to see you happy. These words will bring an encouragement in your relationship. Instead of going home, say, you old battle axe, I saw you driving. I, I dreaded coming home seeing you. Da, da, da. If you do that, all you're doing is polluting what you need to put the word of God in. God says, if you let him, let him talk through you, he'll help you build your house, a house that you'd be proud of. Because he says, Wise words. Where you get wise words from? God. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. That's what I want. I raise children. And even with the children that I deal with in the school, I try and find a way to encourage them because I know they got trouble. I know they got problems. They got issues. I know they do. And, and some of it is called from environment. Some of it is called from uh, lack of knowledge. Some is called from uh, limited mental capacity or spiritual capacity. But I, I'm here to try and reach them, not put them down. Because if I can reach them, it's worth the whole ride. Good place to say amen. Because he told you in verse 21, the tongue, your mouth, can bring death or life to your marriage. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences if you use your words to be satisfied, if you use your words to be encouraging, is that your truth? Or you just say, well, oh, I just say whatever comes to my mind. Been that done that? And it didn't work well for me. Well, I, 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 I know how I feel. I need to be able to say what I feel. Well, I understand you have a, a right to say certain things. But the key is, are they right things that you want to say? Because there can be a time when you talk too much, where you don't say enough. <laughs> Sounds stupid, but at the day of your wedding, if you'd have said no, would you be married? Nope. <laughs> what did you say? I do. What did that imply? You agree that you're marrying such and such, a Sibbity Sam, Olive Oil, or Blondie, or Elmer Fudd, but you said, I do. If you don't say, I do, you did not did. That's not good grammar, but it made you think. 
Because in verse 22, a man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Marriage is a treasure from God. My God, I hate to live my life without being able to share it with my wife. My life would be so boring if I had nobody I could talk to, nobody I could share the accomplishments we both make, the things that we come across. It would be awful boring to just sit in there looking at them full walls. Well, I mean, hey, look, some people got the gift. I don't have it. I don't want to be alone. So that means I got to open my heart and let God lead me because I'm sharing my life with my wife. I'm not dictating it. I'm sharing my wife. And that's significant because he told me a man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he received favor from the Lord. God promised to favor me because I'm willing to let him, by his glorious word and his magnificent Holy Spirit, build my house on the treasures that will give me a long, satisfied marriage. Because I was thinking about this renowned minister of the gospel. Good man of God. I've enjoyed his program on several occasions. But his wife passed. She went on to be with the Lord. And they prayed. They believed God. I don't know the whole story, but that's strong. And it fractured the life because he was doing everything he knew spiritually. But she went on to be with the Lord. And that was a few years ago. But she's gone. And I'm not trying to, I don't know that. I only seen it through his eyes. But I've seen it several times, you know, and I tell that to men especially. Take time. Don't be in a rush because they're going to come. Because you were successfully married, they're going to marry. They're going to come. But I'm not telling you can't remarry. I'm just telling you take your time. Don't rush into anything. Because <laughs> I always remember this man, uh, my brother-in-law went to church with, uh, my brother-in-law was in Kansas City. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But this man married right after his wife passed, and he'd been married a long time, too. I want to say he was in his late 70s, early 80s, and he married a church member. And uh, the church member came in there, <laughs> wanted to put take down all his, his wife's pictures and move furniture, change furniture, so he got the marriage or no. So she wasn't cooking and cleaning. Well, you didn't set the boundaries before you married the woman. You should have sat down and y'all set down what you wanted because I understand if I would remarry, I wouldn't want to walk in the house and find the uh, dead man's urn and all that up in there. And if you're not ready to put that somewhere where we can't see it, then okay, you're not the wife for me. I'm just talking about me. Maybe it doesn't bother you, but I, I you know, I, I, I couldn't see me walking into, well, I don't know it. I'm, I'm happily married, but I couldn't see me walking into a married marriage and I got pictures of all the dead husband reminding me all over everywhere. And I'm not too shallow that I trust God and I trust God's, my wife's judgment. If I leave and she, whatever she does, is going to be right before God. I just want her to be happy. 
I'm not going to sit there and say, I'm going to come back and haunt you. I ain't going to waste my time. I'm going to be so glad I'm in heaven. I ain't going to think about y'all except to see y'all serving God. And no, I'm not dying early. I'm going to fight it with everything I got. I want the 120 years. But what reminded me of this when I said, oh, give me an example of a stupid person in the Bible. And he always, without saying, he brings me back to 1 Samuel 25. When uh, Samuel had just died, and uh, David's in mourning because Samuel had prophesied into David's life, and David's life totally changed because of his relationship with Samuel and obeying God, obeying God in relationship with Samuel. So David was a little tender, and as he was traveling, he come upon this land owned by a very wealthy man whose name was Nabal. But the word Nabal, the name Nabal means fool. And he happened to be a fool. Now David is traveling with all his warriors. And um, he comes upon Nabal's land. Now Nabal's got 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. The brother was wealthy. He could spare a little bit to be nice to David. And then he had a he, he had a he had a dying piece for a wife. But for whatever reason, Nabal was cruel and mean with everybody. And when he heard, when David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent one of his young men to go talk to him and say, Listen, just a reminder, we come in peace. And prosperity to you and your family and everything you own. I'm told that you're sh- uh, shedding, sh- shearing sheep. And while, you sh- while your sheep stayed among us in Carmel, we never harmed them or nothing was ever stolen from them. And we want to ask your men, uh, if it's true, ask to ask Nabal if he would give us something to eat or give us some water, whatever, to sustain us. Well, Nabal got, Nabal got the message. I keep wanting to say Nabal instead of Nabal. But Nabal got the message and went off on David. And anybody with any sense, he, David already killed Goliath and many others. You don't go off on David because he don't play that. Nabal went off on him. All Nabal had to do was say, hey, man, I got a thousand, what he had, 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats. What would it take to give him a, a hundred of each? It wouldn't have taken nothing of him, and David would have protected him and been, been great for him. But no, Nabal was ignorant. He wasn't ignorant. He was ignorant. <laughs> he was so ignorant he went off. And David said, I come and wish peace and prosperity. I come to kill you. But when the young men, verse 9, when David's young men gave the message to Nabal in David's name, they waited for the reply, and who this, and Nabal said, who is David? I mean, you stupid, Nabal. He sneered the young man, who does the son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and meat that I've slaughtered for my shears? And give it to the band of outlaws who came from 
who knows where. Well, you just put yourself in trouble, my dear boy. And uh, David was getting his men together. He's going to kill him. But thank God, even if I, I know I have a wife that's full of wisdom. That's why before I go off or I run into issues, I try and talk to her to make sure I'm not going off. Because I can be unhinged because I'm like any other person. I got this I'm trying to accomplish, that's going on. And I don't want to be mis- I don't want to be misused, but I don't want to misuse the people that are listening. But Abigail, who was his wife, Nabal's wife, she wasted no time when she heard how stupid her husband was, and got two hundred loaves of bread, wine skins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, and nearly a bushel of roasted grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred fig cakes. And she packed him on a donkey and took off. Thank God for a wife with wisdom. Amen. Thank God for a wife with wisdom. Amen. And when she got there, she fell on her knees before David and honored David. And he said in verse 21, David had just been saying a lot of good he did to help this fellow who protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me. If even one man of his household is still alive morning, tomorrow morning. But Abigail interceded for Nabal. That's what a wife does. She'll intercede for her wrong thinking husband or vice versa. The husband should intercede for his wife. And when she got off that donkey in verse 24, she says, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. Now, you know, it's a shame that your wife got more sense than you. The only reason you had her because you had that money. (laughs) But you still couldn't hold on to a simple thing like respecting David. He didn't want nothing but to be fairly treated. But David listened to her. And if you know the rest of the story, Nabal shortly after that died. <laughs> what did David do? When, when Nabal died, he rolled back over there and said, Abigail, will you be my wife? <laughs> and I'm just telling you, fellas, be careful what you say into your marriage. Be careful how you say what you say to your spouse. Because... These things can come back to haunt you because we just we just read this in Proverbs 18. I'm going to read it again. He said, Proverbs 18, where did I see that? Let me get back over there because I'm coming back to it. I'm going to go because uh, you got to remember what God has promised us so that we don't Proverbs 18 and 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. And you got to train yourself to have wise words when you're talking to your spouse or talking to other people. That's a powerful statement, Lord. Because I always remember this. Is that in Daniel 10, verse 22, I mean, Daniel 10 and 12, that God reminded Daniel 
that Daniel had prayed and it looked like God wasn't answering, but he says in verse 12, then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for the first day that thou didst save thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I come for thy words. And what God is trying to get you to remember, he comes for his word. And if you're speaking words of wisdom into your marriage, God's going to come and take care of your marriage when everybody else fails. All your brothers, all your mamas, your daddies, they, they couldn't stay married more than two or three seconds. But you've been married for 200 years because you let wise words come out of your mouth. Because wise words will satisfy a marriage. Because the significance of the word is you got to remember the word of God is God. And God is the word. John 1 and 1 New Living Translation, in the beginning, the word already existed. Why would you try and reinvent the will? All you had to do is take what was already there and start speaking it into your marriage. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. How? By his spoken word. And what God is trying to get you to remember, he says that in Hebrews 11 and 3, he says, frame your world. How do you frame it? By what you say. When you say the word of God, you're framing the word of God. And he said he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Absolutely nothing you see or will ever see in this world or after world was created but by God's word. He spoke it into existence. And we see and enjoying it if we're serving God, what he has done for us because he has already spoken into existence and all we're doing is agreeing with what he said. And listen to what he says in verse 4, John 1 and 4. The word of God gave life to everything that was created. Your marriage was created in heaven. Speak from heaven into your marriage. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and that's what your marriage should be doing, my dear friend. Shining in darkness, and it can never be extinguished. I don't care what will or may, what comes against you or tries to hinder you, nothing will stop you because your marriage was created in heaven, and you're speaking into your marriage. And remember, that's what he says. He says, in the beginning, the word of God existed. So what we're going to do is we're going to speak the word in our relationship, in our marriage, and then we're going to rest in that God's going to make it work for our good. Praise the Lord. Well, I certainly appreciate your time. I understand how a privilege it is for you to listen to me. But I also want to take a moment to remind you that everything I'm sharing with you is based on what the word of God says. And he told us in John 3 and 7, for you to even have a remotely chance of understanding the word, you must be born again. And that means born from above. You're born into this earth. We recognize that, yes. But then to be born again, it means that, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you've been transformed on your inside. 
And to be born again is based on a real simple prayer. Matter of fact, why don't you just bow your heads and repeat after me. This prayer is based on Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe God sent you to this earth just to save me. You suffered persecution, humiliation, you were embarrassed before man, but you still came just to save me. You were beaten beyond human recognition on the cross, and you even decided to die on the cross, but on the third day, God raised you from the grave so you could save me. So dear Lord Jesus, I decree and declare that I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and now I stand before you as a born-again believer in Jesus' holy name. Yay! We celebrate you if you just said that prayer for the first time. And if you did, the heavens are rejoicing with you, and so are we. And we have a gift we'd love to share with you, if you don't mind. You can inbox me on Facebook, or you can call our prayer line, 318-215-6399. Or you can email me at pastor at prevailingministries.com. Well, what a wonderful privilege and pleasure it is to be in your presence. And I trust that you are enjoying a great new year. And um, I'm telling you, if you can, you, <clears throat> you can send in your prayer requests between now and noon tomorrow when we have high noon prayer. We'll join together in corporate prayer. And then we'll be back on Wednesday night from Wednesday night live at 7 p.m. And everything we do is Central Standard Time. And you can also hear dynamic message my wife preached this past Sunday on Facebook and YouTube if you just look into it. So, God bless you. We trust you enjoy the rest of your evening. Remember what the Word of God says, well, by faith, not by sight. We'll be on air tomorrow at high noon and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Love you with the love of the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Pastor Brown and Prevailing Faith Ministries want to thank you for tuning in and welcome you to email your questions, comments, and prayer requests to pastor at prevailingministries.com. Once again, this has been another episode of the Prevailing Faith Broadcast with your host, Pastor Charles E. Brown, who reminds you to walk by faith, not by sight. And God bless you.